Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the CVCS Chapel's podcast feed. This morning, we are bringing you the junior high chapel from this week, where we heard from our very own junior high English teacher, Mr. Rick Ortega. His message was called Transformed by Love, and in it, he talks about how Jesus is the transforming treasure who teaches us to love as he does. We want to apologize for a technical error that prevented us from recording the first minute or two of the message. We recorded and are broadcasting now the rest of the message, but we apologize that we missed the very, very beginning of it where Mr. Ortega was introducing himself and introducing his first major point. We hope that doesn't detract too much from an otherwise incredible message that we hope you enjoy and that we thank you as always for listening to. Is being kind and wise the savvy choice? What about street smarts? Having that grind mindset. My parents didn't get to be where they were because they were nice, they were excellent, and they worked hard. You've gotta prove your stuff out there on the court of life and get that W Riz. Yeah, I know. You've got to know what's going on in your best friend's life where you might be in danger of being made fun of. You gotta be in on the know. That's what you have to be. React channels on YouTube and other things tell us that if it isn't crazy and you have your face plaster all over the thumbnail, it isn't really worth your attention. Loud is funny. Debate channels have young people saying things without any factual basis, but they play some sort of trap song over the YouTube short section and all of a sudden it's based, it's great. The term simp is used as a new version of calling someone a wuss just for being friendly to the opposite sex. Now, I know partly that term is meaning to sell out to the opposite sex, but what I'm saying is that we are told to use words like that to call out people for being nice. As men, things like grindset and sigma culture tell us that you aren't looking out for you, and I know, but what the core is of that message is that if you aren't looking out for you, no one else will. You've got to look out for you. And the phenomena of roasting each other. All these things are summed up in this statement. If you aren't looking out for you, no one else will. Trust yourself. That's the heart of these different things I've been viewing on you know, social media and YouTube and stuff for this last month. And we're gonna look at a mild example of what I'm talking about. And what I want you to notice in this video is three things. The words spoken, how people react to those words, and then the purpose, uh, what, what purpose does the music serve that's playing in the video? Okay, I'm gonna, with my handy dandy mic, ask you, just like I do in class, can someone raise their hand, after you notice the video. Again, this is what you're noticing for. The words spoken, the reactions, and what purpose does the music serve? So here we go. You haven't seen Spider-Man Homecoming? (laughs) I haven't seen the Falcon, oh no, there isn't. Sorry. (laughs) All right, typical thing you see on YouTube, right? And it's funny. I don't, you know, blame you for laughing, right? But what, again, what do you notice about the words, how the audience reacted, and the music? What purpose do you think they serve? Yeah. Um, The music was kind of like just to emphasize what he said, and then uh, the audience reacted like with laughter. Yeah, thank you. Anything else? Yeah. 
Well, what the word said was basically like, there, it was kind of like a roast, so. And then the music was just emphasizing the roast, like, because it let, like, faded out the words to, like, emphasize it, you know? Yeah, thank you. Anything else? Maybe what about the reaction? Yeah. Uh, we'll take yeah, that. I, I, think, I think the music is supposed to get your attention more, too. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a YouTube short, right? It's supposed to catch your attention. And what I want to point out is this. The words, Sam Wilson says a comment, oh, I haven't seen the Spider-Man Homecoming movie. And, he, and Tom Holland uses his own words as a defense against what Sam Wilson said as a way to protect his own like, feelings and kind of get back at what he said, like, oh, I haven't seen the you know, Falcon movie and so on and so forth. And how do we know it was the right response to say, like how we know it was the cool thing to say because the music sort of backed it up and like he said, emphasized the, re the response. And everybody's reaction is like, oh my gosh. But what we don't see is probably their pre-existing friendship where they speak words of like security to each other, where they're actually friends and they say like genuine things to each other. So there's a difference between poking fun and just seeing this and thinking this is friendship. This isn't friendship, this is just poking fun. This is maybe an afterthought of friendship, but it's not the core of what biblical friendship is. You're just subject to the idea that to be cool and successful, you basically have to be good at fun making fun of people. And that's not true. But those are, those are poor substitutes <clears throat> to help you feel better about being lame or insufficient. It's an even worse way of tricking yourself into thinking you're great by doing this. And the result <clears throat> is Sisyphus, if you're familiar. If we don't avoid this message, we end up like him, the legend of Sisyphus, who after cheating death twice, as the legend goes, was sentenced to roll a heavy stone up a pointy mountain for all eternity. As soon as he got it all the way up, just roll all the way back down, he had to start again. That's what it's like to live like that and try to feel better about yourself. It's never going to work. For those of you who want to avoid this message and avoid embodying this kind of like pride-centric attitude, I offer you one of the best pieces of wisdom from one of my favorite pastors and former pastors, Dr. Mooney, ever gave me. He said this, when tempted by the charms of sin, follow the fantasy all the way through. Think it through. Don't just stop at the prize. And let me give you an example with something kind of silly. <laughs> There's a thief, right? Who can raise your hand and tell me, what is he looking at? Thank you, Rocky, for raising your hand. <laughs> yes, the diamond. His eyes and his perspective is what he's going to win in the immediate moment. But if he thinks it all the way through and he continues his lifestyle of, you know, being a criminal and stuff, where is he going, everybody? He's going to jail. But the same thing is true with a more serious example. If your eyes are on the prize of getting attention by being funny, by putting other people down, what that's going to lead to, think the fantasy all the way through, is you're going to wind up alone or you're gonna wind up the kind of embittered person that attracts other embittered people, and you're always gonna be having to fill in that hole just like Sisyphus was rolling that rock up a mountain. So don't let sin determine where the end of the story is. Ask God to help you think things through. Because sin wants to tell you the destination is here, but it's a mirage. So, why is the love the way? As it turns out, that's actually the wrong question. The better question, a biblical question, is 
What is the object of your love? Are you going to love yourself in your way or love God in his way? Because the Bible presents people as lovers of things. You were designed to love something. And the object of your love makes all the difference. Scripture gives us two pictures of what people love generally. And the first is in Romans 1. It's one of the best pictures I know. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. They were given over to their own desire. Their own sort of goal in life is their own desire. They have decided what's good and wrong. But the second picture is this from Matthew, where Jesus commands and sort of sums up all the commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. A new commandment I, I give to you in, kind of a, in addition to that. You love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. There are only two options. Jesus says in the Gospels that you either love one master and hate the other, or love the other and hate the first. There is no, you know, it's not as simple as being loving or being mean. It's loving yourself or loving the way God is put out in front of you. So the internally eternally important question is, what is it that you love? For me, (laughs) at your age, man, I seem to love sunning and look at all that hair. Wow. And there it went. Um, I wanted to fit in at that age, uh, as you can kind of see. I loved feeling belonged and accepted because I had real doubts about whether I was good enough to anyone. And you can't tell, but that was what was going on on the inside. There was a lot of dumb choices I made to try and get belonging by doing something rude, only to feel more awkward or alone afterward. But I'd rather spend time today talking to you about my dad. That's my dad. And again, with me with hair. Um, my father was born in Mexico. His culture and experience gifting him with a love for family that few of us will ever understand. Unless you're Latino. But that's just a side point. Yet with those years, he endured multiple different kinds of abuse. He didn't tell us very many stories about growing up because it made him sad. One of the, uh, one of the ones that he did tell us, they were either wholesome stories about his mom babied him, or they were indeed you know, sad tales like the ones um, when he went to go live with his wealthier cousins for a while to get a break from the true poverty poverty he lived in. But his cousin's family treated him with cruelty, his own family. He went to another place, and they had their own house. My dad was super poor, hardly had any food. But when he got there, they acted like they sent him as a servant, a slave. It was one night he ended the story um, when he got up in the middle of the night to try to go to the fridge just to get something to eat because they wouldn't really feed him much in the day. And what was around that fridge? Industrial-sized chains around the fridge just to keep them out. Their own family. It's hard for me to talk about. These experiences and more led to his memory being dotted with struggles and my memory of him struggling with anxiety his whole life. He was claustrophobic because to get into the country, he had to... He had to hide 
in the door of a car. That's where they used to keep the spare tires back in the day. And he was, as you can see in that bottom right picture, a small guy, skinnier than me and a lot more you know, in shape. Um, but he hid in the, the space of the door just to get through to the country, and he hid there for hours in the heat, in the Mexican heat. No wonder he was claustrophobic. Yet, he loved the time he got to spend with us, and he loved serving food. He was a chef. <laughs> he became a citizen and a successful chef his whole life because out of his experience, God was able to work through him to redeem what was done. Yet, God had to commit himself to drawing my dad into knowing his love more and more over the course of 40 years during his life. It was 2020. My dad had come to see the burden that his unaddressed anxieties and fears had put on our family, on my mom. Things were certainly messy, as is the case with sinners like all of us, but I remember a conversation we had about the book of Ephesians we got to sit down. I was living with my parents <clears throat> during the COVID uh, time to take care of them and help out. I remember him sitting down, <laughs> and it was as if he had just, like, I don't know, hit the lottery or something. We sat down, and he's like, Mio, can we talk about Ephesians for a second? I was like, yeah, let's talk about it. And these are the passages he, he highlighted to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, to be put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. We were dead in our trespasses, and God made us alive together in, with Christ. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, a fragrant offering, sacrifice to God. My dad saw what it was that makes us the kind of people we were all destined to be. It clicked for him. He saw that in our verse at the beginning in Proverbs, Jesus is the friend who loves at all times, and he teaches you how to do that. It's not just this rule that's posted up on a wall that you've got to try your best to follow. Jesus, the whole point of him coming down is to transform you into the kind of people who love at all times. And he got that. He got that in 1 John 3 and 4. It's God who loves you first, and you love as a, as a result. And on that table, um, to end that conversation, um, he said, son, I'm tired of being afraid. Jesus can go with me to get counseling. Jesus can bring me, if, mijo, if Jesus can bring the dead to life, I got nothing to be afraid of. And he said that a month before he would suddenly pass away. My dad, just like the greatest artist, was inspired and transformed by the presence of Jesus in a way that made him face the fears he would never face without him. A month before going into that experience, that presence that Jesus offers unfiltered. And that's our last point. Nothing is more satisfying than Jesus' love. You were made for his fatherly love. If it weren't for my mom, I don't think I'd know Jesus. I don't have time to tell you stories about our relationship today, but if there's one thing she taught me, it's this. Nothing is better than walking with Jesus. There isn't anything better. Being with Jesus is like having the perfect, perfect parent, coach, teacher, friend, king, president, if you will, all wrapped up into one and more. You simply feel great after being with people that are great, and it's the same thing with Jesus. 
He relieves the goody-two-shoes from having to prove that they're as awesome as they think they are. And when people treat you like junk, the experience of feeling his words apply to you personally is the kind of thing that melts hearts. If you're angry today, in love with the culture we saw earlier in the Tom Holland video, may I appeal to you to look for more out of your friends than simply just being funny? Especially if that being funny is at the expense of other people. I mean, guys, there are people with real problems in this room. We get together on Thursday mornings, and some of the things we talk about are how to take better care of you because we learn on what's going on in your life. That's how much I mean, you think we'd be meeting up there about, you know, how do we dissect a verb? I don't know, whatever. We talk about as teachers. We talk about you, <laughs> what's going on in your lives, and how to better take care of you. We have people who can't take the pressure of such a full schedule, sicknesses, deaths, and families, and anxiety, and depression. And roasting someone to fix those issues in your heart is like trying to put a Band-Aid on a leg that isn't there. It's not going to fix anything. So maybe somewhere deep down you think you're a lost cause, if you're another kind of person, because everywhere you go, the only way that you can get an adult's attention is to, and to give you the time of day is, to, um, is by being what they've labeled you as trouble. I can't speak for every adult in the world, but we all look around at these adults. They're here in chapel right now because we love you. And Jesus' love, it makes our love, and even your parents' love, look like hate in comparison. Greater love has no man than this, than to lay down his life for his friends, Jesus said. That's for you. I love you, and I would throw myself in front of a bullet for you, but I struggle to think about doing that and bearing the weight of all your sin and your wrongdoing and your shame, and to do it while you're actively punching me in the face or hating me. But that's what Jesus did. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. That level of kindness will change you forever. And I know this personally. One last story. This is the uh, sanctuary of Big Calvary in Costa Mesa. And it's where I spent a worship conference when I was about your age. Um, you guys know I'm into music, and that's around the age when it started. I wanted to go to this worship conference to be with my people, and they were playing the same song that, Han that Anson played this morning. Here I am to worship. At the line where it said, you're all together wonderful to me, I felt the weight of my sin and my wrongdoing in a way I had never felt it before. Every evil thing I had done was like flashing before my eyes. The fake goody two-shoes that I was, the attitude that I have, the hypocrisy, and not even thinking, like, I don't really need to be saved for much. Um, I'm just going to rely on my own goodness. Even though he was so wonderful in me, I was so acutely aware of every evil thing that I did. And all at once, all I could do was cry. And all I could say was, I'm sorry. And I didn't really understand what was going on. I'm like, okay, well, lost my mind at 14. Great. Um, but I had to go away to pray. And it was more, became more aware um, of that Jesus was showing me in my prayer to show me what I was saved from, he was showing me. Because in the same way maybe that you've seen the movie Inside Out, right, where at the end there's the character joy and there's the character sadness, the whole theme of that movie is that without sadness, you can't really appreciate joy. And in a much holier sense, without seeing what it is that you're saved from, you're never going to really appreciate who Jesus is. You're never going to really be transformed into the kind of person that wants to give mercy. And so in that moment, it felt like Jesus was hugging me, throwing off this sack of cement off my shoulders of sin. And if you seek him, you will find that he has been waiting to give you that same saving bear hug that changes the you into the real you, a new you. No amount of money 
or relationships or any of that stuff that we saw earlier is going to inspire you like Jesus does, who holds this message out to you today. That's where I was, sorry. The good news. I know every sinful corner of your heart with all the experience of eternity. Without me, there is no hope. But as soon as you turn toward me, you'll know the true meaning of love. Bow your heads with me. Before we pray, I just, I want to invite you um, for this not to be a time where you now know you're going to get to go to like the mentored group time. I want you to to genuinely think and pray in your mind and heart. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what church you go to. I don't even know if you go to church. But if you've heard anything today, please know that there's someone who knows you better than you know you, and his name is Jesus. So spend this time. I'm going to give you a little bit of silent time to pray and ask him if he's real, if that's what you need to ask him. And then after that, to ask him to show you what it is that your heart wants to go toward what your wrongdoings are so that he may show you just how loving and kind. Father, these are your kids. These are your students. And we work so hard um, to give them things we have, give them things we've never been given, and ultimately to give them you. And so I pray that you, by your spirit, would open their eyes to see what it is that you are that you are good, and that you are strong. And you have a love for them that, well, it's the original love. I pray that you change them today and help them in their mentor groups to talk about how to apply this as they commit to depending on you and your love. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may go to your mentor groups. This episode has been a production of the Capistrano Valley Christian Schools Podcast Network. Capistrano Valley Christian Schools is a Christian JK-12 school in San Juan Capistrano, California. Be sure to check out, subscribe to, and leave a review of this show and the other shows on our network on your podcast player of choice. Doing so supports the school community in a multitude of ways. For more information about the CVCS Podcast Network or any of our other shows, check out cvcs.org or email podcasts at cvcs.org. On behalf of the whole network, this is Mr. Jasper saying thank you again for listening and stay tuned for more.